How the fuck are you? You are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. <clears throat> I'll clear the throat. A little bit croaky, a little bit uh, blocked up, so bear with me. I'm house-sitting again, and every time I seem to come up here, I get a little bit blocked up, which I think could just be the elements, the environment, and probably being around a dog. Maybe I'm allergic to dogs. Who knows? But you didn't hear come, come here to can hear about my uh, complaints and shortcomings and what I've got going on. You came here to learn about financial literacy and what the average or median income is for New Zealanders. Now, if you've been listening to Keep the Change for a long time, you will know that we dug into this in week number four. And I thought, uh, you know, a lot has changed in that time. And why not explore what a median income looks like for New Zealanders now? now that we are in June 2022. So things have obviously changed massively out there in the world and we've got uh, increases in minimum wage and there's inflation, people have been asking for pay rises, there's a tight labour market. All these types of things have meant that wages have pushed up. Let me tell you a quick story to help you understand how the median and the average income can increase very, very quickly. I had lunch recently with uh, another accounting colleague and they've been on a hiring spree and they hired some accountants, let's just keep it very broad, they hired a a type of accountant, like a a level of accountant and that cost them $80,000 for one of those people for a year. Now, six months later, they needed three more, they're just absolutely flying, and their recruiter that they used was tapped out, couldn't find them anybody. Now their new accountant, uh, so they went out to three other recruiters, and those recruiters were able to find one person each. However, six months later, the same type of accountant at that level, 110000 was what they were asking for. This employer has a very open policy around income, and income levels for their staff, and everyone sort of knows what everyone gets paid. So that meant that they were no longer being able able to hire these people for eighty thousand. They were having to pay thirty thousand dollars extra times three. There's another ninety thousand in costs, and then they had to go back and increase the wages for their other staff because it's not really fair uh, for them to be getting paid more. Some of these new hires were less experienced than some of their other staff, so they've had to increase the amount that they're paying. Uh, their other stuff that they've already hired as well. So very, very quickly within the space of six months, this accounting firm has incurred a massive increase in costs. And that is just one story and one lunch for Luke. And imagine how much that is happening all across the country. Now people are expecting more and want to be paid more But this gets into a very vicious cycle and we've spoken about this and then costs keep going up, wages keep going up and we get into a dangerous spiral and uh, the Reserve Bank don't want this to happen, the government don't want it to happen either. Now that's why interest rates are going up and quite quickly to try and slow some of this down, which what this does do is it creates uh, uh, hopefully some unemployment. Now you think, "Well, well, what do you mean hopefully? Well, we actually want to ease the labour market in some ways and actually have some people lose their jobs uh, to bring things back to a more sustainable level, which may sound quite scary, but that's literally what they are engineering. So you remember that 
maybe 12 months, 18 months ago, I was explaining to you, you want to start thinking about asking for a pay rise, putting your prices up, get ahead of everybody else, because you start to leave it too late. Let me give you another story. So this week, we had a client speak to us, and two of their staff come to them and said, hey, I want a pay rise, and they said they basically wanted another 20 to 30 grand and knew that they could get that if they went to another job. Client said to them, well, please explain to me what I'm going to get extra for my $20,000 or my $30,000. Employee, um, ooh, yeah, hadn't really thought about that. So remember when we talked about asking for a pay rise, you need to be very clear of what is the value that you can bring to that business and actually have some thought process around what, what could they ask you? Not just, oh, things have got more expensive for me, so give me more money. Another client, someone come to him and said, hey, can you buy me a house? I'm not taking the piss. It's literally what they asked them. And they just assume, well, you've got a business, so you must be killing it. You must be crushing it. Can't you just buy me a house, please? Mm, not really how it works. People are uh, very different, and you need to think about what you can do for other people. I think it's a better place to live life from anyway. How can you give rather than be a taker? And especially if you're going to be asking someone for more money because that's got to come from somewhere and it doesn't just magically get created. That business owner may think, well, now I've got to get X amount of new customers. I need to um, stay longer. I need to sacrifice time away from my own family. I might have to do some of the work myself. I might have to cut back on some of these expenses. I might have to work on a Saturday or a Sunday to be able to facilitate some of those increases. So try and figure out how you can actually help and pay back some of your own pay increase if you can. Back to that story, so basically this employer then said, no, no, we're not going to give you the pay rise, so you can either go to that job that's going to offer you that if you want, um, or carry on. And they've already made a blanket rule that if people leave, they're not going to rehire them. They're going to hire directly offshore at a cheaper rate, uh, with people who are willing to work even longer, perhaps as well. So this is where the we start to get to like the, the peak of the acceptance of what we will take when people are asking for income uh, when you're, you're in a role in that type of thing. So we you do need to be mindful if you haven't asked for your pay rise yet or if you, you haven't gone down that path, you could be leaving it too late and you need to have a good argument as to why uh, people are being pushed beyond their limits and humans are very good at finding solutions so that employer for instance you know what I'm done with this I can't take this anymore I'm going to find and build a team out offshore I haven't wanted to do that previously I couldn't be bothered with it I thought no you know I don't know if that's possible with technology and whatnot that doesn't work now they're at the point where they're going fuck it let's do it how does this work other people are doing it why can't we let's rumble and that is the risk that New Zealanders are going to face is that the world has been offshoring and hiring people globally for a long time and a lot of people don't realise that and then your job can be replaced by someone who's willing to work in a country that is miles away from New Zealand but is connected by the internet and connected by video and they've got the skill set to learn and be taught and you can pay them less because they are then using that money in their home country to live to a standard that they're happy with and perhaps that's cheaper than New Zealand. So food for thought for you there, but let's get into what the median income is. And from week four, when I did this last, it was $52,000. And I'll explain where that figure came from. And I guess from the top here, I am guessing that it is going to be 59000 And I could be wrong. 
but I assume that when data comes out that I will be proven correct and uh, it could be even higher than that but we will find out I don't know when we will get some of that information but I will keep you posted when I do see it but here's a, a method to my madness which I'll explain so Last week's story was a popular one. Thanks for the emails, messages, and even a phone call. That that one went down huge last week, which was really cool to see, um, to help people understand that the inflation that we see isn't just the war and that petrol was $3 before the war started in the Ukraine and also inflation was here and was higher than our target figure before the war even started. So, you know, we've got to not just accept everything that we get fed or spoon-fed when it comes to information, and we need to go looking further. Actually, this week I went to a seminar, Mikey and I will be doing a podcast about that soon, where they charted on a graph inflation with the printing of money and the supply of money, and it's just about, they just about line up perfectly themselves, so it's a very interesting graph to see. But uh, of course we're being told that no, it's just all supply constraints and blah, blah, blah. But if that's even true, and there is some truth to that, well, we're going to see more of that anyway. So, you know, be prepared for inflation to be here for a while. Now, it has been a long time since we looked at the average Kiwi income. This week, I thought we would do that again. With the minimum wage rising year after year, inflation baked in for 12 months now, and people asking for pay rises, we've seen an increase in the average income in New Zealand. I've already explained a lot of that to you at the start with some good stories as well. Some people get really picky about this and start talking about medians, means, averages, worker averages, non-worker averages, etc, etc, etc. Because literally when you look up the average income in New Zealand or the median income and you start to see people commenting about it, they're like, that's bullshit, you know, that doesn't factor in the beneficiaries or once you take out the people who get superannuation, what, what is that? And all of that sort of shit. So we're just looking here at basically people who are working and what their median income is. Now let's ignore all of that stuff and basically blow off what I believe the median income from earning a salary or wage will end up being in New Zealand when the new data is released. For some context, some people believe that it's around $56,000. So that's kind of what loosely people think the median income is in New Zealand at the moment. Immigration New Zealand said that it was $53,000 back in February 2020. Now we've had two minimum wage rises, a tight labour market and inflation in that time also. Now that immigration figure, so everyone's got a different figure on what this is, but Immigration New Zealand is a goodish one to take it from because they use this for their testing around whether you can bring your parents into the country, for instance, and you've got to have, I think, four times that amount of income. Your income has to be four times that level for two out of the last three years, or it might be three times. I can't remember the exact figure, but it gives you what that median income is in New Zealand. And back in February 2020, they said it was $53,040. Interestingly, it's June 2022, and they have not updated that figure. So you're probably sitting there wondering what the fuck if you're actually trying to use their figure and get your parents into the country and have them live here with you. So that's a um, it's interesting that it's beyond two years and they still haven't been able to update it themselves. So we'll get this data at some stage. But the median income in New Zealand is changing quickly due to economic circumstances. I believe we're heading towards a median income for Kiwi workers of around $59,000. So let's work through that. Your income's fifty nine grand. Your tax and ACC is $11,581.40. That uses the marginal tax rates. Kiwi saver, let's say you contribute 3%. That's $1,770. That's going to leave you $45,648.60 after tax, KiwiSaver and ACC. 45.6k to last you 52 weeks. That's around $875 per week in the hand. What about your costs? Well, 
from week four, remember, this includes things like rent, mortgage repayments, power, phone, internet, insurance, fuel, fuel, food, miscellaneous items, kids' activities, school fees, daycare, vehicles, and pets. What about extras? Paying down debt, for instance, paying off your buy now, pay later. Savings, we save some money, right, don't we? Surely. Holidays, birthdays, Christmas, things like doctors, dentist visits, all of these things add up, right? What about if you've got a student loan? Well, the above figures don't factor in the fact that the student loan repayments are 12% and you've got to pay back that degree, don't you? If you have a student loan on an income of $59,000, you'd be losing around $4,527.84 to loan repayments. So you are really going to be left with about $41,000 if you've got a student loan and you're making $59,000 for the year. You're going to have about $41,000 to get you through the year after tax. Don't forget about buying the latest season's clothing items and the new iPhone, right? You know, there are so many things that we buy these days and so many things that are that are eating away at our after-tax income. With costs increasing so quickly, this is where it gets interesting. Remember that compared to 12 months ago, Kiwis are spending on average an extra $4,000 to $5,000 on general spending like food, rent and petrol. It is no wonder that many Kiwis are living paycheck to paycheck. What that means is that with inflation and with costs increasing, that today... Kiwis are spending to buy the same amount of things that they would 12 months ago, including fuel and all those types of things. You are spending four to five thousand dollars more than you were last year. Or Kiwis are now having to if they're not living paycheck to paycheck, they're relying on get now pay later offerings to help give themselves a bit of extra room in their budget or credit cards that sort of thing. In America, we're seeing credit card debt spiraling. People are using those solutions. You know, last week's did you know? revealed that 8.9% of people are behind on their Get Now Pay Later finance solutions. What I'm saying there is that people can't afford to keep up with the cost increases, so what they do is they use things like Buy Now Pay Later, which effectively adds an income into their year because they now have credit, which is effectively a form of income, right? So you can buy things that you couldn't afford with your current income level, so then you're given credit and that's increasing the amount that you've got to spend. And people probably think, no, 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 because I'm still like earning the same and then I just end up paying it off, but... The longer you use those solutions, the more you are increasing your ability to access money and it's after-tax money as well. So say your your buy now, pay later limit and you've got it maxed out at three grand or whatever, then that's really probably like $4,000 of income that you've now got access to because by the time you, if you tried to repay that all in one go, you'd probably have to do another four grand worth of work, lose a third to that to tax for instance and you might have, you know, three grand, let's just say three grand. Um, to to be able to be paid off, but it's a not a concept that many people understand because they just think, well, no, it's fine. I'm just paying small amounts or incremental amounts to buy now, pay later, and I'm not actually earning anything extra or uh, I'm not using money that I can't afford. But somehow we are. We need those. What? Why do we need them? If if that's the case, then why why do you need it? But hey, that's not. Uh, I just continuously bang on about the old BNPL stuff, the old get now, pay later, as we like to call it. So don't be the next person to increase that percentage of people who are now behind on their get now, pay later solutions. Try to remove your reliance on extra credit as a form of an extra income because those things do get expensive when they get out of control on you. I heard from someone this week who has tens of thousands of dollars of what they called personal debt and personal credit. And, you know, that's a lot of money to try and repay and the interest on that each year as well. You start to, if you get behind on these things, they start to balloon and get, they add up very, very quickly. Now, 
let's think about how we were going to cover the extra four or five thousand dollars on general spending because that's what our costs have gone up, right? So to cover an extra four to five grand on extra general spending after tax and KiwiSaver, we may need around another seven thousand dollars income in order to cover those expenses after tax. I.e., if you were being paid fifty-two thousand dollars twelve months ago but are now being paid $59,000 this year, you probably don't feel any further ahead as your after-tax pay rise is mostly being soaked up by the increasing costs over the course of a year. Here we go in figures. So fifty-two grand after-tax ACC and a 3% KiwiSaver, that becomes $41,060.80. Now, $59,000 after-tax ACC and 3% KiwiSaver becomes $45,648.60. So very roughly there, $4,500. So your income has gone up by $7,000, your income and your salary before tax, but after tax it's only really increased $4,500. There you have it, you're only now really just still where you were last year, even if you've gone from fifty-two dollars to $59,000 because the extra cost that you're paying for out of your after tax income are between four dollars to $5,000 more than they were 12 months ago, so your pay rise has actually just sort of kept you in line with that. Now, this is what you can do. You can explore a gross salary before tax and have a look at what it looks like once you've paid the tax on it. And you can play with this tax calculator. It's very, very simple. Anyone can understand it. There's a website, paye.net.nz, and you can key in $100,000 salary. You can see how much tax you'd have to pay on that. 180. I had to do this for a client who had a million dollar salary. I shoot you not. And they didn't even really care. I think I've told you this story before. But you can use this, anyone can use it, and it's quite a cool thing to do to go and think, okay, if I made 200 grand, you know, what would that actually be after tax, and what would that be per week? And do those types of things to just get yourself excited and think, okay, if that's the income that I'm working towards, or maybe if I stay in this job or work up to this position, or add on some income through some side hustle, or whatever you're doing, figure out what that looks like after tax, and, and start to use that for either motivation or just education to understand, okay, what, what amount of money would I be playing with? Because often as we get a small pay increase, we very easily and very quickly, we just change our expenses in our life to meet that level of income. But as you would have heard in the 30 and 30 podcast, that's why it's important to build in a, a consistent saving percentage and try and pull that out as soon as you get paid so that as your pay increases you can move it aside into a savings account or investments or paying down your mortgage, those types of things, and then you're left to live with the remaining percentage, not just saving at the end where you go, oh shit, well yeah, I brought 62 more lamingtons this week than I normally do, so therefore, you know, I don't actually have any money to save, but I'm you know, i getting paid three grand more this year. So build your savings percentage at the start as soon as you get paid, not at the end of the week. Have a think about what a large salary is to you, and maybe test that through that calculator. I often use this calculator with clients when working through their expected income and tax for their financial year. You can even factor in student loan repayments and increase KiwiSaver amounts as well. As a side note, I was thinking at the moment about whether over this next couple of years I might ramp up my contributions to KiwiSaver. Now I know that as soon as I put that money in, uh, I'm never going to see it again until another 30 odd years and or you know if I was to die before that then someone else is going to get the advantage of that but I just think it's kind of a good time to be dollar cost averaging in over this next couple of years because the market is just getting absolutely thumped everywhere you look so perhaps if you've got um, some money that you could be investing do you want to think about a couple of extra additional payments to your KiwiSaver knowing that maybe the version of yourself in 30 years, 20 years, whatever, until you retire, 40 years, might look back and go, fuck, 
how good was that? How smart was that? Back in 2022, when I stacked a bit of extra cash in, and that two grand, that three grand, that four, whatever you can afford, that 500 bucks is now worth, you know, 10 times that or, or whatever it may be. So, you know, something to think about whether you're changing your contributions to KiwiSaver if you're doing all right and you're not really getting hammered by this increase in costs and those types of things. But obviously beware that if you do that, you, you may not be able to touch that money again. So you want to make sure that you're the right uh, person to be doing that potentially if you're looking to buy a property soon or something you're not going to want to be thinking about that because you want to be storing powder in order to go and take one of those opportunities where no one's at those auctions and the sellers are willing to take whatever they can to get to the next stage of their journey and they're hungry for the sale now use that calculator at paye.net.nz to check what the income level is after tax on different types of income what is your income goal and has today's money mail made you question it good exercises to think about the last three years and write down what you got paid in each of those years and then look at where you are today and go, shit, am I happy with that? Am I not? What is my goal for my income? Do I have one? Why not? If not, if you have a goal for your income, do you know what the tax on that would be? Do you know what you'd have after tax? Do you know, could you run a budget to throw those figures into it and look, okay, what would that allow me to save, to invest, and start to play with some of these figures? Maybe you're not in a position where you can do that yet, but sometimes it's worth just going and tasting and testing the things that you hopefully one day want to have and you can start to become more comfortable with them and maybe that's the motivation you need to think okay well how can I just make an extra thousand dollars this year how could I do that what could I do to do that and what's that going to look like even if I took tax off of it what would I do with that money and you're starting to think like a future version of yourself because the person you are right now is not going to be fit for the person you're trying to become start to think about how you might be able to add extra income into your life was the final point of that activity which we just touched on very briefly so you're one of 5,750 recipients is there someone you could forward this to remember if you put this on your social media and tag keep the change in it we keep an eye on it and we will give out $200 each month to somebody who uh, is sharing the value of keep the change and helping other people learn now Ryan won that this um, this month gone in May and he sent me some message about how could I buy him something with it and transfer it to me I said mate I've got no fucking idea what you're talking about it's some sort of crypto stuff but uh, I think he's used, I've just transferred in the $200, I think he's used that to buy his asset or investment of choice, and good on him. So well done, Linda, the month before. In December 2018, 49% of New Zealanders had less than $1,000 in savings, but had, this has dropped to 40% in January 2022. That's ASB data from an article that I was reading during the week. Now, that's actually a good thing, because what's that saying is basically in 2018, December, leading into Christmas, 49% of New Zealanders had less than $1,000 in savings. Well, interest rates are still quite low as well, I think. So people are probably like, ah, fuck, savings getting boring. They're starting to wanting to invest in things. And now, in January 2022, that's down to 40%. So it sounds like, okay, that's bad because it's gone down. But it's actually like more, well, less people um, have, I think what, what they're saying is that more people have more in their savings accounts, which is quite good um, because obviously as credit starts to dry up, people are using other functions like credit card and buy now pay later as we've spoken about uh, and dipping into their savings but I think during the pandemic some people were putting some money aside and preparing for for what could be coming so you know I'd say some of that will start to get dried up so it'll be very interesting to check what data ASB have got and I think they're able to kind of survey 600,000 accounts so that must be how many um, bank accounts that they've, they've got for people very hard these figures too when you think about it you, know, you might be younger and think, fuck, savings suck, so I just invested all, so you're not going to have money in a savings account, and ASB then think, okay, well, you don't save anything, but it could be 
um, with Shearsies. But then, of course, I, ANZ, for instance, I saw they were, during the week, analysing the data of how many people were buying crypto and those types of transactions because they can see who the money is going to and kind of mash all that data together and, and see what people are doing with their cash as well, which is quite scary for some people. But uh, I feel like me, I just don't really seem to care too much, but I know some people get up in arms about that. But, you know, with data these days, people can uh, really crunch that stuff and make some conclusions off the back of it as well. Do not forget that maybe over winter you're not going to be out as much, you might not be doing as many things, that's good, maybe you can invest some extra cash, like think about what your budget looks like in a different season rather than summer when you've got heaps of shit on, you know often I'll go into the the office uh, over my years of work during winter and you ask people like what have they done, like nah not, not much, you know it was a good weekend to watch movies and stuff at home. And you know, use that time to your advantage to spend less cash, to be a bit more frugal, to invest more, for instance, and, and live your life in seasons just like the world forces us to do as well. Because you know that by the time we get to summer, there's all sorts of shit going on, and there's um, holidays, and there's Christmas, and different things. So, you know, can you use this season that's coming up to your advantage? And perhaps you want to do some more learning. Keep the Change Night School, it's free. Uh, I know there's a glitch with it where. It asks you for your credit card details. I promise you I'm not collecting your key, key, uh, credit card details and looking at them. I don't even get a notification when people sign up to it anymore. I just kind of check each month how many people are in there and there's uh, close to 400 people working through it at the moment, which is pretty cool to see. Um, but I can imagine that is off-putting for some people because they think, fuck, why you told me this is free, why do I need to enter my credit card details? The system or the platform that this is built on uh, basically is for people to be able to sell online courses and so it thinks, well, why the fuck would you be giving this away for free, you idiot? You idiot. So that's kind of uh, why it is going to capture the details or want to, but then it just comes up as a price of $0. So don't worry, you won't be forced to pay anything uh, whilst it is free at the moment, and I'll probably move it back to some sort of barrier where people have to kick in a 10 or a 20 or a 50 or whatever to make sure that people are more committed to working through it. But I just want to see people learning and see what feedback people get through working through that. So uh, keepthechange.co.nz forward slash night school dash v2. Probably grab that off an Instagram post or out of the Money Mail newsletter that goes out and click through it directly. Help other people learn by firing this to somebody else. And if you want to contribute, I had a great contributor a couple of weeks ago I had a phone call with and they kicked in $1,500, which is amazing. How about that? You know, they just wanted to contribute in some way to help cover the advertising costs of Keep the Change and the platforms that it runs on so that we could keep doing this and they admired the energy that I put into this. So that is really cool to see uh, people actually wanting to financially contribute as well and then saves me from tipping in more of my cash as well. But I end up doing that too by finding ways like giving away the old Shearsies voucher every month as well. But anyway, hopefully you've learned something there. The average income in New Zealand is increasing and it is increasing quickly, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're better off in real terms. So have a think about that. Get onto that website and check out what different levels of income look like after tax. Be good out there. We'll see you next week.